Hi, I'm Angela East and welcome to another edition of the East Meets West podcast. This podcast is proudly focused on Western Australia, the engine room of the Australian economy. From the CEOs, company directors, brokers, entrepreneurs and everyone in between, East Meets West is a deep dive into what makes the greatest state on earth tick. On today's episode of the East Meets West podcast, I'm chatting with Stuart Nichols, Managing Director and CEO of Strike Energy, Western Australia's newest gas producer with the start of production in September from its Wallyering gas field in the Perth Basin. The renewables thematic is what has been dominating headlines, but the importance of gas in the clean energy transition cannot be overstated. With natural gas set to be a key component of Australia's energy mix for a long time to come, according to many industry commentators. It has been a decade since a new gas operation has been switched on in Western Australia, which has contributed to a supply crunch and rising prices as demand for gas increases. Strike began production at its Wallyering gas project less than two months ago and is currently ramping up towards nameplate capacity. Stuart joins me today to discuss Strike Swift moved into production, the acquisition of partner Talon Energy and the importance of gas in the clean energy transition. Welcome to the podcast, Stuart. Thanks for having us, Angela. No worries. So let's start with an overview of Strike Energy's operations in Western Australia. So Strike is a uh, Perth Basin pure play operator in uh, the in the very fast growing and uh, exciting Perth Basin. So we have about three thousand square kilometres of acreage that we operate uh, that sort of stretches from around Catterby in the south all the way through to Dongra in the north. The company's made four gas discoveries across its existing acreage, which include the West and South Aragala gas fields, Ocean Hill and Wallyering, where we just recently brought the Wallyering gas field online. It's a uh, really pivotal time in the company's history as we've just transitioned into becoming a producer. Yeah, as you just mentioned, Strike recently fulfilled every junior explorer's dream to make it successfully to production, and you did this a lot faster than most. Wallyering went from discovery to production in less than two years. What were the key contributors to Strike being able to bring this project into production so quickly? There's a, a few things there, Angela, and yeah, it's been a, an absolute frenetic pace that we've, we've been able to generate this project outcome. 21 months from when the drill bit first hit the ground uh, in the exploration well through to first gas in September of this calendar year. First part is you know the culture of the company. I think the company operates with a level of agility and speed that our industry is not that well known for. Uh, and that's a function of being able to set the business up with technology and with uh, new operating systems, having learned from people in the past about the way that they've gone about their business. We also have a very uh, focused area of our operations. And so we're not looking across multiple basins in multiple states or countries. You know, we are a pure play Perth Basin operator. And that gives us a level of confidence when we make our interpretation on our geology to proceed at speed. But when it comes to the Wallyering gas field itself and the, uh, some of the ability to, to go from uh, the discovery to first production in such a quick time, a sort of approach to uh, Wallyering was that there had been a discovery in 1971 and we were very confident uh, that we would be able to follow that discovery into areas of untapped uh, potential. And that um, discovery in 1971 gave us a few clues and that also helped us understand what we were getting ourselves into. The Wallyering gas field is a very sweet series of hydrocarbons and what I mean by that is that the gas is far better than the pipeline specification and uh, has a quite a, a rich condensate yield to it. In fact, in 1971 when that original discovery was made, 
uh, several hundred meters away from where we ended up drilling. Uh, sorry, but it's uh, so, so a couple of kilometers, shall I say. Uh, the Parmelia gas pipeline was under construction, connecting the original gas discovery of WA, the Dongara field, discovered in the 1960s, connecting that down to Quinana and the industrial markets in, in Perth. And so as Wallyering was discovered, they actually diverted the Parmelia pipeline during its construction, past the Wallyering gas field, picked up that Wallyering discovery well in 1971 and put that in into production then. By discovering the uh, you know the rest of Wallyering, you know, in, in uh, 2020 uh, in 2022, uh, some you know 30 odd 40 years later, uh, we've been able to use that existing pipeline tie-in point that was was found or that was created in in the 1970s. So we've got better than pipeline quality gas. We've got existing infrastructure, um, and then we've taken a very pragmatic approach to the way that we've developed the field. Uh, and built the facility using local um, fabricators, you know, because it was a very tumultuous time during the fabrication stages of the field. We've come with the world coming out of COVID, um, and that's all sort of come together in a in a really fast and efficient and low cost development. So tell us a bit about how the ramp up in production is going at Wallyering and your expectations going forward. It's going really well actually. Um, so we commissioned the field sort of about five days ahead of when we would start our first firm gas deliveries into the Santos contract um, at 20 terajoules a day. And, and the facility has performed with in excess of 90 odd, uh, 97% uptime uh, at the moment, which is great. We've met all of our nominations on a daily basis. And actually we uh, ramped the field up to 33 terajoules a day, producing about 34 terajoules a day uh, into a 33 terajoule a day nomination by our customers. And uh, unfortunately, downstream of the par- in the Parmelia gas pipeline, there was an operational issue and we actually had to finish the day early ahead of actually delivering the full 33, 34 terajoules. So what we have seen is the plant and the field operate at its nameplate capacity We've seen the reservoirs um, performing uh, as per our expectations, you know, almost negligible uh, water production from condensation. Um, condensate yields have been uh, as expected, you know, and gas quality is probably slightly better than what we expected. So there's a little bit of an increased heating value of our uh, gas as it converts from volume to energy. Obviously, we sell our gas on an energy basis, on a caloric basis. So that's a, uh, you know, I'm incredibly pleased and that transition, as, as you say, from explorer to producer has been a fairly smooth one. So most new producers, by the point that they start production, have accumulated quite a bit of debt, but Strike has a very healthy-looking balance sheet at the moment with around $104 million in cash at the end of the September quarter. Why is that important for the company? I think uh, we, we said that we had about $151 million in liquidity at the end of the last quarter, which also includes $40-odd million of undrawn uh, debt, and we, we also have a contingent $80 million facility from um, Quarry for the South Aragala development uh, once we take FID there. But the the, the business, um, you know, as I said, we prioritised Wallyering because it was going to be so quick and so low cost to get to first gas that it was going to be a supporting element and a, a key part of the uh, financial architecture and foundation in developing what we call our gas acceleration strategy, which is bringing those four discovered gas fields online uh, over the over the coming years, now that's a um, so you know Wallyering's cash flows it's generating quite a, a meaningful free cash flow. I think the company only had twenty five million dollars of drawn debt 
at the end of last quarter. Not only will it pay back uh, all of the debt that's currently on the balance sheet, but it will also generate a mean- meaningful free cash flow for us to reinvest into that gas acceleration strategy. The company's very well capitalized as a result of coming out the back of the ferocious M&A that occurred last Christmas over the uh, Warrego and Norwest acquisitions by Hancock Energy and Mineral Resources. You know, Strike played a, a meaningful hand in that uh, process where we ended up with about 30-odd percent of Warrego prior to tipping those shares into the Hancock offer and yielding $136 million of proceeds. So, you know, we're looking to invest all those proceeds back into our business uh, and, you know, looking at Strike to be producing about 20% of West Australia's domestic energy requirements uh, come mid part of the decade. So, speaking of M&A, the, the acquisition of Talon Energy, which is Strike's partner in the Wallyering project, was a significant development for Strike. What motivated this acquisition and, and how does the this advantage of the company once complete? I mean, uh, Talon, outside of some Mongolian Colson assets, which they've agreed to vend into their joint venture partner in Mongolia, uh, you know, Talon was effectively a, uh, a non-operated share of the Wallyer and gas field. The Talon's shareholders had a significant overlap with Strike's existing shareholders. I think that some 55% or so of Talon shareholders are Strike shareholders. Um, and so it was a very natural consolidation of the joint venture where we would be able to remove significant amounts of operational and corporate costs associated with running the extra management teams as well as the joint venture costs. And that meant that we could generate the you know 100% free cash flow. We already market all of the gas on behalf of Talon. So it's a very simple um, consolidation there. That means that Strike will be at 100% in it, all of its positions outside of West Aragala. Uh, which makes it for a very simple and uh, neat business and, and operating model. You know, there's not a requirement for us to go through uh, joint ventures in order for us to be able to proceed with the basis of our plans. Um, and, you know, Strike can manage its capital deployment in an optimal manner. So that uh, consolidation with Talent will go to a scheme vote, which I think is currently scheduled for the 7th of December. We've recently had the independent expert come out uh, through the scheme booklet and deem the uh, schemes in the interests of talent shareholders are both fair and reasonable, uh, and it continues to receive the uh, support of the talent board uh, who have also agreed to accept into the scheme. So, you know, I think that between talent board management uh, and friendlies, there's another 9% of the register there. So I expect this to be a, a, a positive consolidation vote come mid-December, uh, which is an exciting time for strike. Strike is also advancing its South Aragala development towards production. How is that coming along and what is the timeline for bringing that project online? Yeah, it's it's moving along at, at pace. And so we've been working on South Aragala for the entire year, preparing a domestic gas development there. We expect to receive environmental approval for a 40 terajoule phase one development of South Aragala uh, in the coming weeks. We have also successfully appraised the field with the South Aragala 2 well, yielding 16 metres of net gas pay on the far southwestern flank of the field. We're currently drilling the South Aragala 3 well, which is on track to be one of the fastest wells ever delivered in the basin, um, you know, sort of sitting at around 4,200 metres or so at this moment. And uh, the South Aragala um, uh, feed has been completed with our engineering uh, firm and, and um, fabricator Eneflex. And we're looking at building a modular uh, gas plant in Canada and then essentially having those modules 
built into uh, truck-mounted uh, modules that will then can be delivered straight to site and we minimise our exposure to West Australian construction. As anybody who is building a resource project or anything in, in the sort of material construction phase of West Australia knows at the moment, it's a very difficult labour environment, uh, very difficult uh, skills environment. And, you know, as we saw through wallering, uh, an exposure to the West Australian construction industry does create a considerable amount of uh, risk to cost overruns. And so that's why building this modular plant in Canada, which effectively will have a lot of pre-commissioning conducted in the fabrication yards in Canada, allows us to minimise our exposure to that, you know, very uncertain and um, high uh, cost market in terms of West Australian construction. Deliver it on site, click it together, bit of uh, balance of plant uh, installed, and then off we go. South Africa are looking to come online probably early 25 now. We were sort of targeting for late 24, but just the realities of um, how long it takes to build these projects probably uh, hitting home a bit. So negotiating the EPC contract right now with Aniflex, and we expect to be in a position to make a commitment on the go forward for South Aragala uh, in the coming months. You know, there's also the completion of our foundation gas sales agreements uh, where we have uh, secured a, a bankable contract for 20 terajoules a day, which will allow us to to obviously bank the project. Okay, so there's been significant underinvestment in oil and gas projects in WA for some years now. What has driven that decline in exploration and development? So in Western Australia, we rely quite heavily on our LNG industry to provide the next wave of domestic gas that came into the state circa around 2010. That meant that these large international LNG players had invested in in upstream supplies to feed their LNG plants. And once they reached the level of reserves required for their FIDs, that sort of effectively meant that they would stop drilling. Last year, Santos produced around about 50% of WA's domestic gas, and that was from a series of fields that they consolidated through the Apache and then Quadrant acquisition into their West Australian business. And some of those fields have been declining. Oil and gas industry has gone through two sort of price downturns in 2014, and then Oil and gas prices went negative, if you recall, during the COVID period, which effectively meant that discretionary expenditure like exploration had been essentially completely written off. Um, the oil and gas companies around the world were focused on costs rather than on reserves replacement. And we just have not been uh, replacing our reserves here in Western Australia. And that just means that the supplies are currently in decline and there are no reserves to replace it. That was an, that's a bit of an interesting dynamic with drilling rates in Western Australia sort of declining about 80% over the last 10 years. Fast forward to the rise of the Perth Basin post the Waitsia discovery and then strike sort of amazing run of success in the exploration and appraisal phase where we've now drilled eight consecutive successful exploration and appraisal wells. That means that strike's in a very unique position now to bring a series of undeveloped commercial uncontracted reserves to market at a time that we're seeing existing sources of supply decline, water out, and the little pieces of exploration that have been done outside of the Perth Basin haven't been uh, hugely successful. So we're in a really unique situation where you know a lot of banking analysts are saying that most of the incremental domestic gas supply in Western Australia is controlled by strike, uh, and that's why you're seeing prices in Western Australia having increased fivefold in the last couple of years from around 2 to $3 a gigajoule to over $10 a gigajoule to that. One thing you pointed out in your recent presentation to the Canaccord Southwest Connect ASX showcase that I thought was particularly interesting 
is that gas is a critical import into the growing lithium industry. Can you elaborate further on the demand arising from the WA lithium industry? Yeah, I might just give you a little bit of character around the WA market as it stands. So the the WA domestic gas market is around 1,200 terajoules a day, where only about 10% of that gas is used in electrification or electricity generation uh, uh, by our state-owned and operated uh, electricity generator Synergy. Now, that's an interesting place to be because it means that the other 90% of the market is um, consumed by the mining industry, mineral processing industry, as well as our chemicals industry. West Australia has had a affordable gas price for quite a considerable period of time, and that has meant that a lot of industry has been built off the back of um, gas consumption. We've got two ammonia plants. We're building a new fertilizer facility uh, in the state at the moment. You know, we've got the, the state produces, is one of the world's largest producers of alumina. We produce 40% of the world's iron ore. We produce 7% of the world's nickel, 8% of the world's gold. And as you pointed out, as of last year, about 50% of the world's lithium. Now, that means that this rise of critical minerals and the critical minerals that feed into batteries are actually quite energy intensive in their uh, extraction from the, uh, from the earth and then ultimately processing into battery grade uh, quality. And that's creating an increase in demand in the domestic uh, gas market here in Western Australia at a time when we're seeing a reduction in supply opportunities for domestic gas buyers. And so the rise of lithium and the rise of nickel, as well as you know the uh, conversion of our uh, iron ore fleet from, uh, from diesel-fired to electric, is increasing gas consumption across the state as we try and reduce our carbon intensity. Uh, and, and that's just a really interesting place to be. You know, I think Strike finds itself at the right commodity in the right jurisdiction at the right time. And we will work hand in hand with our mining industry, um, as this is one of the world's best mining jurisdictions, to ins- ensure that the way that we proceed is in the lowest carbon manner possible. And that's, you know, not only generating battery grade minerals, but it's also taking our existing commodities that we're extracting and making those lower carbon as well. Um, gas partners in incredibly perfectly with renewable energy and that's exactly how all of these mining fleets and mineral processing uh, industries are going to continue to electrify. Um, To give you a little bit more on the lithium space and why that's such a huge gas demand, you know, when you take spodumene, it's generally about 1% lithium uh, lithium oxide in the ground. You try and concentrate that to about 6% and then you've got spodumene concentrate. Uh, To take spodumene concentrate and then convert it into lithium hydroxide, you actually put it in a kiln where you then have to heat it up to temperatures in excess of 1250 degrees centigrade to crack the spodumene crystals into smaller particles that will dissolve in acid and then allowing you to take it into the battery chemicals manufacturing process. So, you know, we see um, strikes gas working hand in hand with the lithium industry to ensure that the the state of Western Australia uh, is a significant influencer on the way that battery Uh, minerals are rolled out across the world and it's done in the most carbon-friendly way possible. Given that evolving energy landscape and and growing focus on renewable energy sources, what is your view on the role of natural gas in the future, particularly in Western Australia? Yeah, that's probably the one part I haven't spoken about. But as as I highlighted, is the state, you know, has this uh, state-owned and operated electricity generator, Synergy, where historically Synergy has produced about 40% of the state's baseload electrons from coal-fired power. We have three or four remaining coal units in in WA, one private, three owned by the state. 
Those coal-fired power stations are fed from two domestic coal lines down towards Collie. That's the uh, Premier Coal Line as well as the Griffin Coal Line. And these two coal mines are unfortunately moving into the end of their lives, both operationally and financially. One of them is currently producing very low-grade, high-sand coal, and the other one is effectively in a billion and a half dollars of bad debt to an Indian bank uh, and, you know, is being propped up by uh, payments from the state government keeping the workers showing up. That has forced the state government to accelerate their decarbonisation plans and look to shut down coal-fired power in Western Australia by 2029. That means that we're going to increase our renewables, our batteries, and ultimately, uh, you know, backed up by our gas-fired generation. Well, I think we expect to see some 600 uh, megawatts of new gas-fired generation commit, uh, committed to very soon, and we may need several gigawatts in time, as there are often days in WA when the sun doesn't shine and the wind doesn't blow, and we find ourselves generating 100% of our electricity from existing fossil fuel sources. So we need to be able to power the entire state uh, on for sporadic periods of time on 100% gas if our renewables and our batteries aren't uh, are exhausted and aren't operating. So there's a really big rise in gas demand coming in Western Australia as we move into our energy transition in the state. So it's not really just, it's not just about the miners and the big in industrials moving to uh, gas and renewables. It's also about the state doing that as well. And that is on a scale that we have never seen in Western Australia before. And that will increase gas demand by our calculations by about 20%. Um, you know, and we're in this situation where we are not seeing new supply come on line as quickly as, uh, as new demand is being initiated. And that means that the state government is currently reviewing its domestic gas policy and it's looking at ways that it can stimulate new supply and that allow for companies like Strike to be as successful as it could potentially be. Okay, well, that's um, all very interesting and I've definitely learned a lot about the WA gas space <laughs> in a short amount of time. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me today, Stuart. Thanks so much. Thanks, Angela. Uh, thanks for having me on the show again.